If you're a small business owner like me, and you need to hire quickly, I'd recommend you try Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. And according to Indeed's data, 93% of employers say Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Imagine your favorite voices. Your spouse. Love you, babe. Your kids. <laughs> the barista at your local coffee shop. The usual. Your jam on the radio. We're coming, coming for you. Your best friend's terrible rendition of that jam. We're coming, coming for you. The voices in our lives weave a comforting sonic tapestry around us. But what if one of those voices went silent? You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. I'm Dallas Taylor. We're all aware of the ways professional athletes can be sidelined by an injury. And even those of us who aren't athletes are familiar with the effects of repetitive stress on the body. Things like tennis elbow, carpal tunnel syndrome, and tendonitis. But there's another part of the body that's also vulnerable to injury, but rarely talked about. Your vocal folds, more commonly known as the vocal cords. All of our voices are part of our identity. But if you're a singer, a teacher, an actor, or a vocal performer of any kind, your voice is also your livelihood. Here's Katie Talbot, a vocal coach in Nashville. My mirror in my room knew me as Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Celine Dion, you name it. In her early 20s, Katie signed with an agent and moved out to L.A. And then I was singing in Hollywood probably about three times a week. Meanwhile, she was working to pay the bills. I was working at Starbucks as my day job. So I was doing early, early morning openings, drinking tons of coffee to keep up with the lifestyle out there. And then, of course, 20 and 21, I'm going out a lot, too. So not only am I singing in the clubs around midnight, 1 a.m., depending on when we go on, but I was also talking super loud. And then I'd have to wake up, have very little sleep, and then go to work. During this time, Katie estimates that she was using her voice professionally 30 to 50 hours per week. And just did not realize it because I just thought, it's my voice. That's it. So Katie kept up the hustle and grind. Late nights, loud clubs, high notes, no sleep, lots of coffee. Late nights, (laughs) recording sessions, shouting out orders, late nights, noisy bars, little sleep. My personal bad habit as a singer, I love to be loud. I grew up thinking, if I'm loud, I'm good. Katie's agents and managers had her singing in a pop rock style in the studio, but she also sang for a heavy metal band. And I would sing whistle tone, like way above their metal melodies. Whistle is actually something that is a very light coordination in the voice. It's very small. And when you're trained for it, it's actually pretty easy to get. But I was finding that I could not get it. Even my talking voice was getting raspy. At first, Katie blamed the dry Southern California air. She thought doing better warm-ups would help. And she sang even more than before. 
So I would do the warm-ups for a little bit. I was also very impatient, so I would just sing through it and start just putting more power into it to try to overcompensate for what I felt I had lost. But I thought, you know what, I can just push through it, push through it, push through it. My voice will come back. After a few months, it became clear to Katie that whatever was happening to her voice wasn't something she could just push through. I basically lost my whole top register and only had a little bit of my chest voice when it came to singing. It was at this point that Katie realized she needed help. So I'm little 21-year-old Katie from Franklin, Tennessee, going into Beverly Hills and paying so much money for this doctor to see me. And I see everyone he's worked with is on the wall from Kurt Cobain to Whitney Houston, Leanne Rimes, Mariah Carey. So I knew I was in good hands. And I went in, he saw me for about five minutes. He goes, okay, you have nodules. And my heart just sank because here I am thinking, there goes anything I want to do, anything I want to do. For a singer, a diagnosis of vocal nodules is devastating and could be career-ending. Even if you don't know what they are, you might have heard what they sound like. That's the sound of a vocal nodule, also known as a node. Both of those words can be used interchangeably. Vocal cord injuries like nodules, tears, and hemorrhages have sidelined more superstars than you may realize. Stars like Justin Timberlake, Adele, and Mariah Carey have all dealt with this. The edges of the vocal folds are extremely delicate and extremely complex. That's Dr. Robert Sadiloff. I am the professor and chairman of the Ear, Nose, and Throat Department and senior associate dean at Drexel University College of Medicine and director of otolaryngology and communication sciences research at the Lankanaw Institute for Medical Research. That's a very long title that essentially means that Dr. Sadiloff really knows his stuff. He's also a lifelong musician. I discovered my love for music as a child. There was always music in the house. My father was also an ear, nose, and throat doctor, so there were no professional musicians. But I loved music, and we sang around the house from the time I was a youngster. My voice changed early when I was 10 and was lower than it is. We thought I was going to be a Russian bass, so I started studying singing when I was 13 and singing professionally when I was 15. Today, Dr. Sadiloff is a world-renowned physician of voice medicine, which is still a relatively new field. He's quite literally written the book on it. Well, actually, more than 60 books. When I was in training at the University of Michigan in the 70s, we didn't know anything about the layered structure of the vocal folds. Singers came in to most excellent otolaryngologists and complained about threadiness in their upper mid-range. The doctors had no idea what they were talking about. But Dr. Sadiloff had been singing professionally since his teen years. He recognized that there was a language gap between performers and physicians. Luckily, he could speak both languages fluently. The singer you're hearing right now is Dr. Sadiloff. Today, thanks to Dr. Sadiloff's work, our understanding of the vocal folds is much more nuanced than it was 50 years ago. Interestingly, even though the vocal folds are the source of the human voice, it's not what actually sets our voices apart. If you cut off somebody's head just above the vocal folds, 
Ew. Well, that's vivid. You'll get a very unattractive buzz, whether you're Pavarotti or a normal person. It sounds really just like lips buzzing against a trumpet mouthpiece. If you take a trumpet mouthpiece and put it on a trumpet and then a French horn, you will hear trumpet and French horn. It's not the mouthpiece, it's the resonator system that gives us our distinct personal sound. So it's the resonator system above the vocal folds that makes it clear whether Dr. Sadiloff is talking or whether you're talking. And just like professional athletes are prone to stress injuries of joints and muscles, professional singers can be prone to injuries of their vocal folds. Remember back when Katie said this about overusing her voice? So not only am I singing in the club around midnight, 1 a.m., depending on when we go on, but I was also talking super loud. So if you speak too loudly chronically, you may injure the vocal fold acutely and get a tear or a cyst, which is a fluid-filled bubble on the vocal fold. The cyst will then strike the other vocal fold and create a reactive mass from repeated trauma. It's when these cysts continue to strike one another and harden that they become the dreaded nodes. That's why they almost always occur in pairs, one on each chord, striking each other over and over again, like chafing or biting the same spot on your cheek again and again. Over time, this alters the sound of your voice. If you have masses on the vocal folds, they interfere with closure of the vocal folds. Try this. Make a peace sign with your pointer and middle finger. Then wrap one of your fingers from your other hand around your pointer finger. Now try to bring your two peace sign fingers together. You can't. They stay separated. That's what happens with masses. So there is air escape from the incomplete closure. And there is turbulence, just as you would get if you took a piece of paper and touched a vibrating guitar string. The voice buzzes. But Dr. Sadiloff says this much-feared condition isn't nearly as common as people think it is. According to him, singers with more common conditions often get misdiagnosed as having nodes. Of every 50 patients referred to me with a diagnosis of vocal nodules, between one and two have them. He also emphasizes that even if you have vocal nodules, surgery is an absolute last resort and not a quick fix. Whether it's a cyst, a lesion, a tear, or a nodule, the best medicine is often vocal therapy. More than 90% will go away or become asymptomatic with voice training, physical therapy for the voice. A serious vocal fold injury can interrupt or end a singing career, but well-intended surgeries to repair these injuries do occasionally go wrong. And one surgery in particular cost an icon her voice. We'll get to that after the break. There's a new podcast from Wondery that I think you're going to love. It's called Class of 88. Today, hip-hop dominates pop culture, influencing every genre of music from country to K-pop. But it wasn't always like that. And the story of how that changed can be traced back to a single year, 1988. From Wondery and Audible comes Class of 88, a new podcast hosted by Will Smith about the one game-changing year that sparked the world's obsession with rap and hip-hop. 
Before 1988, a lot of people didn't take hip-hop seriously. They said it was a fad, or it was only for teenagers who were rebelling against their parents. But hip-hop today touches everything from film to fashion to sports. So what changed? Will Smith walks you through the historical moments and milestones from that year. He's also interviewed superstars who lived through that time, like Public Enemy, salt and Peppa, Queen Latifah, and Chuck D. Follow Class of 88 on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also binge every episode of Class of 88 early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Here's the reveal of last episode's mystery sound. That sound came from a panda. Congratulations to Michelle Thompson. This episode's mystery sound is sponsored by Sonos, the wireless sound system for brilliant sound your way. Here it is. And again. If you think you know that sound, you can submit your guess at mystery.20k.org. And if you guess it right, you'll be entered to win one of our world-famous, super-soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirts. And thanks again to Sonos. Shop the latest speakers and soundbars, including the new Sonos Arc, at sonos.com. Thanks to Shopify for sponsoring 20,000 Hertz. But that's not the only thing I have to thank them for, because I built the first ever web store for 20,000 Hertz using Shopify. Without Shopify, I probably would have never gotten those legendary super soft t-shirts into production. And the whole process was super easy. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling handmade dog costumes, customized wedding supplies, or super soft t-shirts from a brand new podcast, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. When we started out, our Shopify-powered store was one of the reasons I could afford to keep going. And according to their data, Shopify-powered websites have an almost 40% higher conversion rate compared to other platforms. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash 20k, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash 20k to start growing your business, no matter what business you're in. Shopify.com slash 20k. The delicate tissues of the vocal folds are the unsung heroes of the human voice. If something happens to them, well, that's it. There's no Sam Smith, no Justin Timberlake, no Ariana Grande, and no Julie Andrews. Now, all four of these singers have very publicly dealt with vocal fold injuries, and three of them made incredible comebacks thanks to advanced surgical techniques. But one of them went under the knife and didn't come back the same. You may know Julie Andrews as Maria from The Sound of Music, or as Mary Poppins. It's super expialidocious. Or as the royal grandmother in The Princess Diaries. Nevertheless, you are the princess. And I am queen. In the late 90s, Julie underwent what was supposed to be a routine surgery to remove her vocal nodes. But something went wrong. And after the surgery, she wasn't able to sing. It was absolutely devastating. 
In this interview with Barbara Walters, Julie explains the emotional toll losing her voice has had on her. To not sing with an orchestra, to not be able to communicate through my voice, which I've done all my life, and not to be able to phrase lyrics and give people that kind of joy, uh, I think I would be totally devastated. So I am in some kind of denial. I simply can't do a song for you. Dr. Sadiloff is among several prominent doctors who have worked with Julie since the initial surgery that went wrong. After many years of continued therapy and medical care, Julie was able to sing in a low register. Her first singing performance after the surgery was a song in The Princess Diaries 2. Dear little girl, you are terribly blessed, but it's your heart of gold I love the best. I can't talk about Julie much, although... She has talked in public about the fact that I have taken care of her after her surgery because she's acknowledged that. I can mention that I know that voice well and I consider it a national treasure lost. For every Julie Andrews, though, there are many surgeries that go right. Adele, Cher, Bjork, John Mayer, and so many other stars have come away from vocal procedures sounding better than ever. With our new techniques, which were designed when we acquired knowledge of the layered structure of the vocal fold, the results usually are excellent, but not always. Back in the 80s, Elton John was in the middle of a massive world tour. He had performed close to 200 concerts in 15 months, and all of that singing was taking a toll on his voice. Eventually, he had to cancel all of his remaining tour dates and went in for throat surgery. Now at the time, Elton John's publicist said that he was being treated for, quote, a non-malignant lesion, a pretty vague phrase that could easily describe a vocal note. Thankfully, everything went according to plan, and Elton was back in the studio the following year. But fans have pointed out that ever since the surgery, Elton's voice has been noticeably deeper and fuller than it was before. Case in point, here's Elton John performing Tiny Dancer before the surgery. Now here he is on the tour where he injured his voice. And now here he is 10 years after the surgery. Notice how he's still hitting the same notes, but his vocal tone is much fuller. Fortunately for singers like Katie Talbot, vocal nodes usually don't require surgery, but the road to recovery is still hard. In this recording of Katie talking with her sister, you can hear the strain and dryness in her laughter. <laughs> We're not doing anything. We're just making videos. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh. Oh. My talking voice would literally like sound like this, like completely broken, but I'd have to be like really loud with it if I wanted to get anything out. It was rough. 
I sounded like I smoked 20 packs a day. So on doctor's orders, Katie made the lifestyle changes needed to restore and keep her voice. And so I had him tell me all the changes that I needed to make and I just started rigorously. So really cutting out coffee and then training myself to breathe through my nose actually when I sleep. It turns out that breathing through your mouth seriously dries out your vocal folds, which need to be nice and mucousy to strike together without inflicting damage. So one of the things that I even did was talking a little bit higher. So I wasn't talking so loud and down in my voice, but just a little bit lifted. You know, I pretended I was a British person talking up here, you know, and taking pressure off of my cords. And that seemed to help. Katie's recovery was extensive, but after a few months, she was able to sing again. Eventually, her vocal folds fully healed. Through this experience, Katie was able to gain some perspective. It actually helped me start a transition in my life where I went towards artist development. So as traumatic as the nodules were for me, it was actually a shifting point in my career, which I'm very thankful for. And I don't know if I would have seen it had nodules not happened to me. Today, as a vocal coach and artist development specialist, Katie provides the sorts of insight, training, and support that might have stopped her from developing nodes in the first place. I tell the artists that I work with now, it's so important to take care of your voice because it's your sound. It's why people connect with you. It's why you have fans. And it is your paycheck. You have got to take care of it. You just have to. Fortunately for Katie and artists everywhere, the field of arts medicine is growing. Athletes rely on sports medicine to stay in the game. For artists and performers, arts medicine can help them perform their best for as long as possible. Performers have special needs. They also have forced physicians to be better. That is due in part to a different definition of normal. If I, as a microsurgeon, break my finger shooting hoops on the weekend and my hand surgeon gets me back to 95% function, I'm happy. If I am a world-class pianist or violinist, the difference between that last 5% or 2% or 1% is the difference between renown and obscurity. My voice is how I impact anyone and everyone around me. I'm not only a career woman, but I'm also a wife and a mom. So having my voice to use, whether it's in singing or speaking, I sing to my son every night before he goes to bed. And... I know how much that impacts him because he immediately calms down whenever we sing our song. My voice has always been an integral part of my identity as it is for most singers. I've got a doctor of musical arts in voice performance, primarily operatic singing, and sang professionally, including as a cantor for 50 years until about six years ago when I developed thyroid cancer and ended up with vocal fold paralysis and eight voice operations so that I could be able to speak well enough to do interviews with you, but I can't sing anymore. It 
still causes considerable sadness not to be able to sing. I used to call all my friends on their birthdays and sing happy birthday. Uh, I was a cantor for 50 years, and it's really hard to go to high holy day services and listen to somebody else sing. And I miss it. However, I'm also this year celebrating my 50th anniversary as conductor of the Thomas Jefferson University Choir, so I am still making music and singing with lots of other people's voices. Twenty Thousand Hertz is produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. Find out more at defactosound.com. This episode was written and produced by Anna Bennett and me, Dallas Taylor, with help from Sam Sneebly. It was story edited by Casey Emerling. It was sound designed and mixed by Soren Bejan and Jai Berger. Thanks to Dr. Robert T. Sadaloff for his expert medical insight. Thanks also to Katie Talbot for sharing her story and experience. You can check out Katie's vocal warm-up subscription at vocallabcollective.com. If you'd like to learn even more about protecting your voice, we left a handy link on our website, so be sure to check it out at 20k.org. Thanks for listening.